This is the podcast, Putting on a Coat of Colors. This podcast is a community storytelling project of Coat of Colors, a council of Cathedral of Hope, United Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. Our hope is that this podcast will make room for persons of color and their white allies who are both gay and straight to tell their joys and frustrations, to tell their sense of belonging and their sense of exclusion, to celebrate our uniqueness to the larger community and celebrate our commonalities, and to invite members of the larger community to join in this purpose. Thank you for listening. Now let's get started. In the third installment of the conversation between Darnell and Thomas, Darnell talks about the welcoming nature of Code of Colors and how seeking to decrease the cultural divide and increase a multicultural presence is defining the group. They also talk about how the white gay members of the community have a real sense of what it means to be marginalized, but often worry about their own space and don't go any deeper. So what's it like? Hey, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the question back at you. Okay. okay. Um, oh, how to ask this question? Um, it, it seems that welcome is built into the DNA of this group. Right. Okay. Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah. And that that you you know what. You know, when we, we had that meeting and rewrote the mission statement, which was an incredible meeting. Mm-hmm. We talked about, you know, increase and decrease, mm-hmm. right? Decrease the divide. Um, how does that feel to, uh, how does that feel to be invitive, you know, to people, <clears throat> people who are not people of color, who are allies? Well, and, and you know... First of all, it's kind of refreshing, refreshing to uh, to see other people of uh, not of color interested because it, okay. I mean, in a, in a in a not just curious, but interested. You know, you know, and you can tell when a person is like uh, ready to put their heart and soul into a project or something like that, and uh, and the way we communicate is not like trying to explain, you know, why you're here, why we're here, and what we're trying to do, you really got it. So, yeah, yeah. So, but if, for me, and I can, excuse me, I can't talk to, about other people, but I can, I have a feeling they feel the same. That divide, what we're trying to do with the Code of Colors mm-hmm. is decrease that division. Right. Um, and the only way we're going to do that is if we start working together. We can't worry about t- uh, stepping on each other's toes. Mm-hmm. Because to me, if you step on my toes, then I can tell you, ouch, uh, move off my toe. <laughs> you <know? laughs> right. So, you know, and right. then we, we can have that conversation. That is how us problems problems are solved. You know, you if, if there's, there's no mistakes, it's, uh, it's all a lot of not knowing. But if you can learn and, and grow... Then it's it's better. I mean, we'll be better for it. You yeah. know, yeah. the church would be better for it. Yeah, uh, you as a person would be better for it because mm-hmm. you can 
uh, relate to other people, you know, you're not looking at them as a person of color. I'm not looking at you as a white person uh, or a straight ally or anything. I'm looking at you as Tom, you know, and that to me that once you can crack through that code, that's mm-hmm. when real change starts. Yeah. yeah. So I've, I, ha- I've, I feel blessed to be around such an amazing group of people mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. I mean, the, 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 I don't know, it's the, the compassion, the, the uh, intelligence of this group. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I feel like, why am, why am I in this group? <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> because it's, I mean, I really do. I enjoyed the time when I was chair. Uh, I, I was a fish out of water when I became chair. And I, I, I got so much support you know, through the group, and we work well together. Mm-hmm. We really do. Anything that we put our mind to, I feel like mm-hmm. we can we can get get it done. I agree. So yeah. So to answer your question, I I just think it was beautiful for all of us to put our minds together, and mm-hmm. and and and, it, and it's more of a think tank. Yeah. 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 Versus, I mean. I don't know. It just it feels good. I like hanging around these people. Yeah, I mean, me too. Yeah, so me it's too. fun. I mean, yeah. outside of church, we have fun, and yeah, you know, I know I can call any one of them and say, "Hey, you know, this is this is happening," and they would listen, or you know, it's like, or tell me to shut up and move on. <laughs> so, you know, they're very they're they're because they're going to be truthful about they're it. They're very much going to yeah. be truthful. Yeah, truthful yeah. and fun. Yeah, and fun. Yeah, uh, for sure. I've been encouraged, and and I don't want to. Uh, sometimes I think that that in in, in the broader world, um, I think it's harder. It's harder for me to find to find progress happening. Mm-hmm. It's it, it used to be like you know oh well all that stuff that happened around uh, around George Floyd. Look at all the growth that white people have done. Really? Yeah. Really? I mean, yeah. I would have said that before. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but I have some hope about what's going on at Cathedral from when we did that uh, that discussion of the movie. Oh, yeah. And then when we did Juneteenth this year in mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. That gave me a lot of hope. The number of, of not only the number of people that showed up, mm-hmm. but honestly participated the number of white people that showed up and yeah, honestly participated I was kind of surprised for that myself yeah I was like something's happening mm-hmm. and I like it and I don't know it, you know I think it's a collective thing um, you know I fear and you know being if, if this podcast has been anything it's been truthful mm-hmm. um, I still think that that the efforts that Code of Colors makes with like with, with Burnett Elementary Mm-hmm. is largely kind of pat on the back, aren't you doing a good thing? Mm-hmm. You know, rather than seeing that we're doing transformative stuff there. And I don't know how that needs to be. I don't know that I want to dictate it either. Like how that needs to be recognized, but it feels like, a, you know, it's like a little pat mm-hmm. on the back, you've done good, right? Um, I, I, You know, I have hope that things are kind of progressing and that more... More, more white people are, you know, understanding what it is that Code of Colors really is about, what they're really trying to do. Um, I, and I just kind of wish it would continue, mm-hmm. you know. So what, uh, 
as a straight white person uh-huh. going to Cathedral Hope, yeah. how do you think the congregation view the coat colors? I mean, I mean, do they? Yeah. Do you think they get it, or do you think they're trying? I mean, what what do you feel? I I feel like well, first of all, I feel like I'm a bad judge of this because I am white. But I, what I'm saying is that that um, yeah, I've you know I've been in the work, but I also know this. I okay. I have been in the work. I have been reading. I've been listening to, to not just my wife, but to other people of color. I have been, uh, I've been educating myself. Cass is very generous in saying I'm working on my PhD. Right? <laughs> it's very generous of her to say that. Um, I know that if I had not met, fallen in love, and married a person of color, I don't know how much work I would have done. Mm-hmm. And so I can put myself in that space where I was pretty in I was pretty aware of mm-hmm. what was going on in the world, but I didn't know. If that mm-hmm. makes any sense, I was aware, yeah. but I didn't really know. Um, but I can put my my head in that headspace of what it was before I met her, mm-hmm. before I started doing the work. And what I can say is that I would see in that headspace, I can see Code of Colors as being in, in that, that nice group over there doing that thing. Mm-hmm. Okay? And good for them. You know, good... And But could I see myself actively wanting to be a part of it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, to go back to the beginning of the conversation, I'd be white first. Right. But you know, you also got... You, you, you have more than just that going on. You you work with the leadership team uh-huh. the, uh, at the computer. Uh, Cathedral Hope. Yeah. Uh, you worked with other churches that, you know, wasn't yeah. so confirming. Yeah. And, you know, you have a lot of other qualities that, you know, and you talk to some of the other allies and mm-hmm. stuff. So mm-hmm. you, you don't have a... My, my, my sense is, is, is more than what I've just said about, you know, mm-hmm. oh, look, it's that group over there. Mm-hmm. Aren't they doing great stuff? Pat them on the back and, you know, we're going to go back to doing our thing now. I, I This church in so many ways is different. Right. And I do think that this marginalized community of LGBTQIA plus people are a little bit more fundamentally aware of what it means to be marginalized. More so than than a random group of white people that go to church together that don't know what it means to be marginalized. Mm. So I think that this the white people of this church at least have a sense. Mm. Okay, maybe not to the same not not maybe not to the same degree. You can as a white gay person, I believe you can hide. In fact, they you know what? They, they do hide. Okay, but they they don't have to they are not confronted in this world by the color of their skin automatically whether you straight or gay right right but that's yes they yes um i i'm i'm smart enough to have observed that a that a that a that a a white gay person will be marginalized 
that's the culture. That's the culture we we swim in a in a heteronormative culture. Um, and they can they can fake it till they make it. They can they don't have to. They're not just walk into a room and people already are making assumptions about them. Some some because they're white. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so they have. So I think white people in this or white gay people in this church. And I'm not one, but I think that. I'd like to believe that they have a sense of what it means to be marginalized, but not to the same degree as you do. Not to the same degree as Cass does, because you walk into into a room, into any space, um, with the color of your skin. And there's already, uh, not our space necessarily, but any other space in this world, you walk into a room and there are automatically some assumptions that are being made there. Right. You know, I find that... And I struggle with this. I find that some of the, uh, uh, in our gay society, that there's different class or different marginalized mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And I do, in my experience, and I'm not saying all, <clears throat> sometimes it feel like the white gay population mm-hmm. understand mar- how to be mar- marginalized. Right. But I think they just, sometimes worried about their own yeah. space. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they don't, I mean, because, like you said, you're white first. Yeah. So you you tend to just worry about the white priv- privilege part yeah. of the what you're dealing with. Yeah. <clears throat> and sometimes it just stops there. Yeah. And it doesn't go any deeper. Yeah. And I think that's what we as a gay community need to work on, too, that we're... It's, uh, when you marginalize, you marginalize. No matter what, there's boundaries. Yeah. So if you put boundaries inside your own group, you're losing your power. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 So that you know that's why I was asking that question because I thought that was interesting to see what you thought. And you know I'm not saying I'm correct. I know, but that's my feel. I mean, and because I have a lot of different groups: white, Hispanic, just Asian. Yeah. You know, and and, and I know yeah. the different levels of understanding and caring yeah yeah um it it is a unique privilege to use that word right it is because i'm going to use a different word it is a unique blessing to be in a space where people who have been on the margins sees a person who has never been on the margins Mm -hmm. white straight you know male middle age you know walk into their space and one one would not blame a person who's been in the margins. It wouldn't blame them for going. I don't accept you. Mm-hmm. You're in my space now. Mm-hmm. You're in. This is our space, and you're. You know. You get a little taste of it now, but you know, brother. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is a unique blessing to come to a space where it was like you're just Tom. Mm-hmm. You know, you're Tom the dork. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you got to realize it's not just that's you too. I mean, that's part of how sure. you present yourself and how you come in and sure. your whole aura. Sure. Is, uh, all about caring, caring about oh, someone else. So you're very sweet to say that. No, but you. it's true. But I mean, but it, you are unique because of your compassion about things. You know, and you you'll probably be more. You will be accepted more in, in all kinds of range because of you. And that's because you did the work. I mean, you're not, 
you're not just somebody just fell into the church and never <laughs> uh, fought for anything or cared about anything. Right. I mean, you have right. a long history right. of doing things before you even found the church or even before you found fell in love with a woman of color. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I, okay, so yes, I had that going for you. <laughs> I had that going for you. And you're humble. And, and I'm incredibly humble. I don't know. That's, I just want to say that's my greatest gift, really, is my humility. So, um, thank you. Thank you for this. Because um, this was your idea. We, we, need to interview, we, we need to interview you. And part of, me, part of me, when I heard that, was like, oh boy. <laughs> what do you want to know? But the, that's another part of the invitation. It's another, it's another extension of the invitation. You're right. welcomed here. Right. We want to know your story. You, know, you don't get to sit in the corner and, and right. just help out. Mm-hmm. You get, you know, so thank you for that. Yeah, you know, I wanted to, one of the reasons why, because you, I think you're fascinating, you, you have a story, and you know, you told some of us there, but I thought a lot of people, sh- a lot of people should oh. hear this story. Wow. And there's a lot of people like you, don't feel like they can fit in, but they want to. Yeah. And then, I mean, you're, you're, you're leading the pack and showing them how they can do it. Come on in, the water's fine. <laughs> yes. You know. <laughs> Come on in. It's and great. The food is good. And the, and the food is excellent. The food is excellent. Thank you for listening to this edition of Putting on a Coat of Colors. This podcast is a community storytelling project of Coat of Colors, a Council of Cathedral of Hope, United Church of Christ, in Dallas, Texas. Cathedral of Hope is the largest predominantly LGBTQIA congregation in the world. Our church has a strong community presence and global reach through its online ministry. We self-identify as a church that is progressive, inclusive, and social justice-minded. You can find out more about Cathedral of Hope at www.cathedralofhope.com. In the mission statement of Code of Colors, we assert that, through faith, hope, and love, Code of Colors is a council for all people that seeks to decrease the cultural divide and increase a multicultural presence in the church and the community. You can find out more about the outreach programs of this group by searching Code of Colors on Facebook. That's spelled C-O-L-O-U-R-S. And request to join the group 